Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. So I had a visit uh, over the past couple of days with my daughter and granddaughter. My granddaughter's five, so I normally try not to pinpoint who who they are and everything because that weirds out PKs and I guess even P grand Ks uh, and everything and I've learned through the years don't tell you don't tell your kids stories to people publicly and everything and I've tried not to do that but I slip up once in a while but anyway my granddaughter was coloring a plastic Easter egg with a crayon that she had and everything and started talking to me and her mom and she said where's your mom and I went, huh. I said, well, my mom's dead, honey. And uh, she looked at me and she went, wow, like that. And uh, just straight up without a whole lot of conversation or anything, she, she said, well, you know you'll see her again in heaven. And wow, just to hear that from a five-year-old. You're going to see, if there's anything we celebrate over this next week, it's the, the powerful idea of eternal life. And it's so powerful that a five-year-old can receive it and believe it. Or an old person can receive it and believe it. There's no age gap. There's no, uh, and, and maybe with childlike faith, maybe that's how we all need to look at things. Oh, you're going to see her again. I mean, she could run a small nation right now, but, uh, you know, she's pretty much in control of everything. Uh, but we had a really, there was a more to the conversation than just that. And I assured her how much my mom would have liked her, and she seemed really pleased with that. And so if you have loved ones that have gone before you, and I'm sure everyone sitting in here has had loved ones go before you, I have an assurance for you. They're alive with Jesus. And there's an incredible scripture about them in Hebrews 12. Do you understand? It's, it's incredible. So I'll put it in our terms today so we don't get hung up on the words and everything. They are just people made perfect. Wow. So I get my mom with perfection. <laughs> I, I liked her just as she was. I can't imagine her perfect, but uh, it's going to be phenomenal to enter into heaven. And don't, for those of you who wonder, don't discount the mercy of God over those who went before you and you were unsure or anything and anything like that. Don't discount the mercy of God. You weren't there in those last seconds of time. And God is a miracle God and can show up and reveal himself to every human heart. And I just want you to hang on to that as we go into Easter week. So what does it mean when the psalm says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous? That was written in... The old covenant times. The eyes of the Lord. Who then qualified to be righteous? Oh. Who qualifies today? 
all believers. So when the psalmist says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous for me, he was actually prophesying to my generation. The eyes of the Lord are on us because we're righteous. We can say of all of all people on the earth, I'm a righteous person. Yet most of us doubt that. Living in life and experience and the mistakes that we make, it's really hard to adjust your thinking to going, I am a righteous person on the earth. And to continue in your self-talk of declaring that truth to yourself, I found to be one of the most difficult things for all believers to not just do and practice, because remember, we're, we're still on this message about how do we respond in faith today. Very few people that I know, and it may include many of you, though I'm not throwing stones at you, I understand it, but it's very hard to see myself as a righteous person. Many of us don't have that language within our self-talk. We don't perceive ourselves that way. Um, we're still caught in the thing, I'm a sinner saved by grace. But it didn't really change me. I'm still a sinner because I sin. But the actuality of it is God made me righteous. And the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. It says his ears are attentive to their prayers. It's amazing. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. There's so much in the word of God, especially throughout the Psalms, about the eyes of the Lord and the eye of the Lord and uh, what it's there for and everything. Psalm 32 is really interesting because it says, don't be donkey-brained. This is Lloyd's true alliteration version. It says, don't be stubborn like the mule in Psalm 32. He says... And you have to have a, a bit, don't be like a horse or a mule that has to have a bit put in their mouth to be steered and stuff. He says, but let, I would have guided you with my eye. Now I have a wonderful story with that. So at least it's wonderful to me so you get the overflow off my bowl. So anyway, uh, when, I, when I was a young lad, um, when I was a young person, uh, a young adult, and started working in politics. I worked at the Arizona House of Representatives. And through God's favor and everything, I did really well. I started out as a research analyst, and that got promoted to what was called the... They didn't have a title for it, really, because nobody else got one of these. I was the special assistant to the minority leader of the Arizona House of Representatives. And my boss was an incredible man. He was, he was a dear, dear, dear man. To me, and we became very, very close. So he was this uh, six foot five best orator I've ever heard. I, I didn't heroize him because he had weaknesses too. He's this six foot five African American guy that grew up in the projects in Phoenix. Uh, was going to be a football star. Blew out his knee his senior year in high school, and. Uh, and instead just went to college on his own, wanted to, wanted to be, become better, a better person. His dad's name was Man, Man Hamilton. And so his name was Arthur Markell Hamilton III. I never did find the second or the first. 
But Art and I were very close, and he, and as we worked together, and I got to know him, and got to know the rhythms of his life, and and he, you know, he got very close to the Lord, and we had we had phenomenal times together. But one of my one of my deepest memories were actually committee hearings. So committee hearings were done this way. There's, have you ever been in a committee room, that, like for government or anything? Well. They do something strategically. One is for sight, and the other is for ego. And that's that there is usually a dais and then a long table that's usually in a horseshoe or a semicircle. And that's where the representatives sit with their little microphones to ask questions. And then there's a, a, a stand, and people come up and give testimony over a microphone. And down below that dais and below the desk uh, is an area that's called the pit. And that's where all the staff people that are smarter than the guys up on the dais are working. Because <laughs> they're the ones that have really done all the work on it. And, and the TV cameras are usually set up on the sides, so you're always kind of like, if you're, if you're in the pit, you always feel like you're in the way with your head. You know, because the camera will be like within four feet of your head. And I'm going, yeah, and my right ear, I hope it's clean, is going to be on the evening news tonight. And uh, so it was, it was difficult. Um, one of the things that you can't do is you can't talk loud um, while somebody's giving their testimony or making their, their desires known why they want a piece of legislation. And they get asked questions and stuff. And so whoever the chairman of the committee is is really strict about the noise level that goes on between the representatives and the people that do the actual work down in the pit. You can't ask them questions. Is that accurate? You know, he'll get revering, strikes his cavil down, and then they never get in trouble. It's the people in the pit that got in trouble for it because you answered a question. Well, I learned and got very close to Arthur Markell Hamilton III to follow his eyes. And so instead of watching whoever was giving testimony or answering questions at the microphone or anything, I watched my guy. And he wasn't hard to find. He was one of the biggest guys in the room. And I mean, we had a favorite saying. We called him Oso Negro, the black bear, because he was just as big as a, as a huge bear. And I would watch him instead of watching the people at the testimony. I don't care what they said. I'd already researched it. I knew what was right, knew what was wrong, and I would watch him. And if he was questioning something, all he had to do was do this. Did you see that? He blinked eye. He would just blink down with his eyes, or he'd give a slight indication with his eyes what he wanted. And I would know if they were saying that stuff and it wasn't true, I would just reach up and slip him a piece of paper. So he was always on cue and always knew and was always there. And that's when the Lord started speaking to me about, Lloyd, that's how I want to guide you. I want you to get close to me in this way, that you recognize when I blink. You see what I'm seeing. When you pray, ask to see what I'm looking at. And it just became a familiar thing with me in understanding that. But what I struggled with was this. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. I didn't feel righteous. I was smart. I was this. I was that. 
I am feel righteous. And then the flood of understanding came in of what God had really done. I'd said the scriptures before, but until it comes to you by revelation, you will not see yourself on the earth as the righteousness of God. You will see yourself as maybe saved, and you will see yourself as trying to be a better version of you in one form or another, but you will not look at yourself unless you get a revelation of it as a righteous being on the earth. But if you see yourself that way, suddenly the eyes of the Lord, going to and fro, has found a heart that's loyal to him. That was an Old Testament promise. I search to and fro. Over the face of the earth, my eye does, he says. Going back and forth, looking for a heart that's loyal to me. Well, he won me. Did he win you? If he won you, you're righteous. If he's changed you, you're righteous. So in this time, and in these times that we're living in right now, coming out of last week and what we talked about, that God holds nothing against you. If he holds nothing against you, then he does something else. He makes you righteous. What Jesus did actually did something. The miracle, remember what we were saying, I believe in miracles. He made me a righteous being justification that big word that we use a lot means God has judged you righteous and given you right standing with him and you are not guilty of sin you may have sinned but you're not guilty of it you're not labeled a sinner how does that work that's the that's the power of confession my conscience can go whoa that was wrong it should I'm not saying you magically don't ever do anything wrong again. You do it wrong. But the vast reality of what Jesus has done is the forbearing truth that sits upon, that's on that dais in his eyes upon you. He is high and lifted up and he looks down and he goes, righteous. So, well, if I do something wrong, should I talk to him about it? Absolutely, 100%. What if I forget to do it? You're still a righteous person, but your conscience is probably going to gnaw on you. And you've got to hear yourself talk, talking to going, hey, I did something that uh, it's actually lying against who I am. That approach uh, sets into motion that I am justified uh, it makes it this. The word justified literally, if you, if you translate out, means as though I had never sinned. As though I had never sinned. I am restored unto God through what Paul talked about in Romans is the second Adam, which is Jesus. The first Adam fell. I was in that. The second Adam saved me. I'm no longer in the first Adam. I am actually something very different now. God has made me righteous. Do you see yourself as a righteous being? That's a real, it's a real, it's a sticking point in your life until it becomes a revelation and then other people kind of scratch your heads at you a little bit. But I believe. 
and it's changed my life. I knew it before, but I didn't really know it. I knew about it before, and I knew the doctrine of it, but it wasn't personalized to me until it was personalized to me. How did that happen? God shining his light into me. Just saying it that way. And if you don't get it, ask God, pray, and say, Lord, open the eyes of my understanding and let me see me the way you see me. Change happens. Because of Christ, you will never... This is, this is phenomenal. And everybody who hears this, who struggles with it, says, well, that's saying you can get away with anything you want. No, it's not, because it changes you. You are made righteous, and it's this. You will never bear the wage of sin. I didn't say the consequences. Sin has consequences right here, right now, in the natural. If I kick over the chair and bend both of its legs down, there's there's something that's going to happen. That chair will never sit straight again. There's a consequence to it. If I sin here and I hurt somebody else, I can't pretend that it didn't happen. That's not being righteous. What's being righteous is I did something that I'm going to have to work through the circumstances and own, but I'm not held accountable in eternity. It doesn't have a wage with it. The wages of sin are death. Though I die, I shall yet live. There's not an eternal wage that's laid against me anymore. You are free. You are so free. So you, your confession is different. My confession is I, I think I might even hurt somebody else, let alone did I hurt myself. It doesn't hurt Jesus. You sinning doesn't hurt Jesus. Do you know that? The penalty's already been paid. It's done. It did hurt him. He died for it. It no longer hurts him. The life he now lives, he lives to God. He doesn't live to, to keep paying the price of sin. But every time a believer opens up their heart and walks in this, then his eyes do something else. <laughs> they brighten up. They come alive. Back in the day, back to the House of Representatives image, when I did something, when I had the answer to something and I slipped it up there, I would watch Art Hamilton get the most pleasant, assured look on his face that it was just like, yeah, that was better than a pay raise. Well, yeah, it was. <laughs> because I knew that I had done that which he asked. And oh man, it just changed everything. Justification does more than return you to Adam's state of innocence. I've heard that talked about. Justification does way more than that because justification makes you righteous in Jesus. If you've received Christ, whether you can get your nugget wrapped around this or not, you're righteous. And you actually have the righteousness of Jesus 
not your own, Paul said. Not from the law, not from my behavior, not from what I do, right or wrong, not even from how well I confessed. But instead, it's a righteousness of Christ. Now let's look at an interesting scripture. I've heard lots of messages, you probably have also. But I want you to hear it in light of what this concept is saying, what this revelation is trying to penetrate into our hearts about. This is Matthew chapter 9. Jesus talking to people who had questions about him, why some people fasted, why they didn't. Why don't your disciples behave like all the other people do? And, and trying to pin him down that, they, that he was doing things differently. And so Jesus responds and he says, No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins break, the wine is spilled, and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Now, I have heard so many different teachings about this, about the wineskins being the structure of what Jesus was bringing, about the wineskins being... Uh, the parameters and the, the principles and we're not under the law but these are the things that you have to do to be okay and even that the wineskins are the leadership that God's developing on the earth and so you should call me an apostle because I'm pretty sure that's what I'm called to <laughs> what if he's talking about an individual person just see it he made you into a new wineskin to receive the new wine. Now think through how he generates this. You don't have to see it the way I see it. But there's a revelation here waiting for you. I didn't just receive the new wine. I became a new wineskin. And that's why it can't be lost it won't get spilled because he's the new wine. He even said that about himself. And this, was, this wine is the blood of my testament in the new covenant. And he said, but I can't put it in old wineskins. So I'm going to do something incredible. I'm going to make you new. You, you, not waiting to get to heaven to be new, I'm going to make you new here to pour myself into. Holy buckets. Wait a minute. Not holy buckets. There's no hole there. Nothing's going to get spilled. And his desire, and he knew it all along. He said, I can't just be the new wine. I've got to do something completely different here and so when I come and I do this I'm going to make them the Lord my maker holy I'm going to make them able to receive me and we all know what that looks like Hebrews 8 through 10 chapters read that this week during holy week it's, it's an explanation of how God did it it lays it out um, for all time for you and I. But then you come back, look at Romans 5, verse 1. 
Therefore, you should all memorize as a, as a new covenant believer. If there's any new covenant scripture you should memorize, it's this one. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's nothing between us. Nothing. I've been justified because I believe in him. My behavior doesn't justify me. How good I confess doesn't justify me. But my faith in the justifier does. Stunning. This is, this is again, I always find these scriptures, all, I call them all the hinge scriptures. This is a hinge scripture for you to see yourself the way God sees you. To let his eyes look on you. I have been justified by faith. And therefore I'm at peace with God. These next ones. For he made him, 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Are you righteous? Oh yeah. <laughs> now I don't here here's always the danger. Other people especially, but even ourselves, we're afraid to get flippant with this. We're, we're always afraid. Don't get flippant with that. You better watch out. You took it one one, two hallelujahs over the line. <laughs> but I'm telling you, this is a hallelujah verse. It's not a flippant verse. And if you struggle, this has to become a reality verse so you can eliminate the struggle of seeing yourself as a righteous being. If you see yourself as a righteous being, guess what will happen to your behavior? It will start being righteous. And you immediately notice when you're not. Because I like righteousness. I like the eyes of the Lord on me. I, I, uh, so this is a little too transparent, but I was uh, taking a shower in Cape Town, South Africa one time, and I was sensing that the eyes of the Lord were on me. And I got out of the shower, and before I ever dried or got a stitch of clothing on me, I said, here I am, look right at me. Look right at me. I started feeling this lion's roar coming out of me. It was just like, Aah! and I was the righteous lion of Judah. Not a stitch of clothing on. I would have scared anybody away. Not just because I didn't have clothes on. But there was that, there was that moment in time where I knew that I knew that I knew without any covering, I was the righteousness of Christ. And he was looking right at me and I wasn't cringing. I wasn't, and I don't mean this sacrilegiously, I wasn't bowing down and saying, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. Now it's right to bow down, but not with going, I'm not worthy. Yes, you were worthy for him to save you. You are his inheritance in the earth, Ephesians 1 says. 
This is amazing what this righteousness does. Oh my. Romans 8.30 Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. It's all in the past tense. I'm not waiting for something more to happen. Death will be a step through time. It will be a step through time. I'm already in Christ. It's another step through time. And I could look at my granddaughter who said, where's your mom? And let her say to me through the mouth of a child, oh, well, you're going to see her again. It's a step through time. Do we really, really believe 2 Corinthians 5.17? We tell unbelievers that they need this, but do we really embrace it for ourselves? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Past perfect tense. It is done. What needs to happen to feel close to the Lord? It's been done. He happened so that you could feel close to the Lord. They've passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, I have heard a whole lot of teachings regarding the I am's and the I am being God saying, I am this, I am this, I am this. But you had to look at the things he says about you. What he says you are now. There, we'll close with this. They are stunning. All of these are scripturally based. I didn't put a scripture with each one. So you're just going to have to trust me and just listen to them this morning because it's talking about you. I am born again of, of imperishable seed. I am a new creation, complete in Christ and perfect forever. I'm a child of God, the apple of my Father's eye. I am one with the Lord, and I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am eternally redeemed and completely forgiven. I am seated with Christ in heavenly places, in those realms that my natural eyes can't see. I'm there. I am summoned by name, and I am his. Do you know that the promise in Revelation is that he'll actually give you a new name? Some people get goofy with it here and already do strange stuff with that and I'm called abracadabra or whatever. I understand. Maybe the Lord speaks to some people that way. But I know this. In heaven, whatever my name is, it's going to have his name attached. I get a new name in Christ. Stunning, isn't it? I keep saying that word. I'm stunned. I am dead to sin and alive to God. I am free from guilt and condemnation. I am righteous, holy, and blameless. 
Now, don't tell your wife that that's you when you're having an argument. The noise work. Square up the confession first and then say, well, I'm sorry because I really am a hot, righteous person. I didn't act righteously. I am healed and I am strong in the Lord. I am healed and I am strong in the Lord. When we get stuff here from the earth, we have to stand on this verse and we need other people standing with us and saying the same thing to us. There's people here who would testify that they're in the, they're, they have done that and are doing that. I am hidden in Christ and eternally secure. I am loved with an everlasting love and I am highly favored. His eye is upon me. I am my beloved's and he is mine. I am accepted completely by him. Those are some of your I am's. What God declares over you because he doesn't see it as something that's going to happen. He sees it as something that is. Whenever we mess up, it's really hard to go here and go, you're going to love me forever. You love me right now, no different than you've ever loved me. Because we're human. We're pretty sure somebody needs to be disciplined for that. He was eternally disciplined for every wrong that was ever committed. Not just yours. He took on the sins of the world. Not just your personal sin. We talk about that a lot because that's the difference between us and righteousness. But he took everything that was wrong into him. That's why it's so important for people to receive it. That's why there, there, there are sons and daughters of God who are sons of disobedience, Ephesians says. What do they have to do to become obedient? Receive what I just talked about. Receive him as their Lord and Savior. Because it's already been paid for. Done. All the stuff about time, here's the cross. It intersected time. And time is not just swallowed up in Jesus. Time is swallowed up with what happened on the cross. And everything that happened before the cross and every wrong that happened after the cross all get swallowed back into that. And we are made perfect. Is that too big a concept? Nope. A child can understand it. I can get it. You can get it. So, you are just a whole bunch of good-looking, righteous people. You're just perfect. You are just lovely. You are just wonderful. Incredible. Why? Because you're in Christ. And he is. And what he is, you now are. So, I am probably referred to in heaven as Lloyd Jesus. Just like you're referred to as D.D. Jesus, James Jesus, because Christ is in us. And that name, no sweeter name, given under heaven, 
by which people are saved. I'm saved. You're saved. Pretty good news. You're righteous. You walk into Walmart tomorrow upset about how much you're going to pay for that pound of hamburger. But you'll do it and not steal it because you're righteous. Wow. I'm righteous. Confess with me. Lord, here we are. This day, this holy day that is called Palm Sunday. And we are here to say, Hosanna, I'm righteous. Hosanna, I'm healed. Praise to your name and what you did. I received it as a gift. And now I am with you forever. I'm a good person. I'm not a thief. I'm not a liar. I'm not a grifter. I'm not an enemy. So this day, as we close with this, I present myself holy and blameless before your throne this day. Because you say this is my reasonable act of service. I can have my thinking changed, metamorphosed, by renewing my mind with what you say. And so I do that. And I just want to say, help my heart to know it better. My heart knows it well. Oh, that I might know you. Just what Paul said. Oh, that I might know you. More and more. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.